Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Clee Talk presented by FenleyRoadSports.com. My name's Bob. I'm hanging out talking Cleveland sports as always with my older brother, Chris. Chris, happy Labor Day to you and happy Labor Day to everyone listening. Happy Labor Day to all. And uh, yeah, it was a fun Labor Day weekend per uh, my annual tradition. I uh, got together with 11 college buddies, had our fantasy draft over the weekend. Very fun time out in Chicago. I'm very happy with my team because I had a strategy and I uh, got a lot of the guys I wanted. So hopefully it was a good strategy and these guys pan out and uh, it'll be a successful year. But Bob, we are just had, three days away from football, man. Yeah, for sure. So you had the Chris Sweeney process and, and you stood true to the process. I stood true to the process. I actually disciplined myself. I didn't read a lot. I, I I didn't like buy into a lot of hype. I read information, but I researched like, you know, I, I didn't like read a lot of like this guy's the sleeper and all that stuff. I, I tried to pick my own guys based on other metrics so I could, you know, not just do what everyone else was doing. And so I yeah. think I did it, had a good draft. I think I had a very good draft. I got Adrian Peterson with technically the last pick in the first round. Because we do keepers, so it wasn't sure. a true number 12 pick, but he fell to me there, and, and I was very happy about that. So that was a bit of a yeah, surprise. Uh, sounds like good value for sure. Um, yeah, man, three days away from NFL kickoff, but um, my Labor Day uh, consisted of uh, cooking out, uh, played a show, and then I watched a lot of college football, and they wisely spread it out over all nights, and, and there's even a, a marquee matchup tonight with Ole Miss versus FSU. Um, crazy, crazy way to start the the season. We'll talk about that a little bit on the back end, but uh, that definitely got me primed for for some NFL football, which I think I enjoy just a little bit better. Um, unfortunately, uh, we we do have to talk about the Cleveland Browns, <laughs> and that's going to be our main focus uh, of the podcast. Which you know I I will watch and I will cheer for, and uh, I'm excited to see them actually play some games. But um, it, it's going to be a little bit of a bleak conversation. Uh, Chris, we, we've talked about the Browns a little bit uh, here and there, you know, previewing their training camp, talking about some of those preseason games. Um, what what's your, what's your general impression of this team? What what can we expect in the NFL season for the Browns? I, well, it's a young team. I mean, they drafted 14 rookies. All 14 of them made the roster. So there's going to be a lot of growing pains. I don't think it would be wise to set a high bar for this team because you're led by a quarterback who wasn't a starter last year and is a shell of his former self in 2012 now I don't want to say shell of his former self but certainly trying to find his uh footing certainly trying to get his uh, mojo back if you will and become you know take that next step and obviously Robert Griffin the third is the guy I'm talking about explosive rookie rookie of the year and then injuries dogged him lost his job to Kirk Cousins last year I mean that right there whenever you have uncertainty at the quarterback position it's not a good thing but the Browns lost key members of their offensive line uh, key members all over the of the team last year now you're talking about a key members to a team that only won like three games last year so I would argue that this change needs to happen but I think this year is going to be the year of of excruciatingly tough football to watch tough growing pains and I don't have high expectations for this team my main thing is for this thing to be a success I'm not looking at wins and losses per se I'm looking at those last six games on the schedule I want to see if the Browns are competitive if the Browns show improvement if these rookies are starting to limit their mistakes and develop I want to see progress that's what I want to see it's going to be more of an eye test season than a win-loss season but as long as this team develops into something that looks good by the end of the year and maybe hit found some rookies that can contribute in multiple spaces by the end of the year, I think that will have been a very big success. Yeah, I mean, if, if I were to sum up the Browns in a, in a one-word phrase, I mean, this season, it's going to be yikes. Uh, it, there's not a lot of, of hope for, for, for this team to perform. Uh, I haven't seen projected win totals from any source out there that goes higher than seven and nine. And I think you and I are both going to agree that that's very generous. Um, there are some that are really low as well. Uh, yeah, it's all about a youth movement. You know, we, we, 
being Browns fans and even, you know, being Indians fans, we've seen tons of rebuilds and restarts and, and, and new, and especially with the Browns new regimes coming in and starting all over, starting fresh. I don't think we've ever seen a Browns roster this fresh though, starting from this low of a level. I mean, this is an absolute teardown and we'll get into some of the, the roster cuts that were moved, that were made at the very end that just kind of emphasize the overall theme of this off season. But we are starting at a low point that we have never seen. And this is a team that, you know, was positioned to draft second overall last year. And they've, you know, they, they've gotten worse. I mean, that, 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 that has to be uh, the fact. Obviously there's tons more room for growth on this team than there was on last year's team, but they've definitely uh, gotten worse. I mean, I'm looking at a defense that is going to have eight new starters uh, is only returning three guys into that unit. Um, a, a lot of the second unit on the defensive side are going to be rookies or uh, second-year players. So, I mean, there's a lot of youth. You know, you mentioned the 14 rookies that all made it from the draft class. There are a couple undrafted guys in waiver claims that bumped that number up to, I think, about 18 rookies that are on this 53-man roster. Uh, I think overall you have 55% of the rostered two years of playing experience or less uh it, they're gonna be some growing pains but like you said uh you gotta just look for growth and look for signs of improvement look for those high draft picks to actually perform and show some promise and, and give us hope that this regime knows what it's doing with those draft picks because they are stocked up for next year and they're even stockpiling already for 2018 as well so um you just gotta look for for the hope and, and look in the long term this is absolutely uh the quintessential rebuild uh the rebuild of all rebuilds that we've seen with the browns it's going to be a long year yeah i count 20 rookies and that includes the practice squad and injured reserve so so technically those guys aren't on the 53-man roster right now uh three of those guys so yeah there's a lot of youth on this team you just bring up a depth chart uh, just a lot of R's next to their name or color-coded rookie. I mean, whatever you want to see, it's all over the board, especially on defense. But you, but it's like you said, you know, I, I don't want to say they've gotten worse. They've gotten less experienced because I don't know how what this team's going to be yet. I think it's going to struggle early because you have so much youth. But I don't know what the ceiling is for all these guys. So until I see them play and develop, yeah, they're going to lose games, but I don't necessarily think it's, it's a bad thing. I think this was necessary. You know, the mediocrity that was on the field last year wasn't cutting it. They went 3-13 and last year, and there weren't any rookies that you felt great about. I mean, we just traded away Justin Gilbert and Barkevius Mingo. Now from 2011 to 2014, the Browns don't have a single first-round pick from those drafts that they took on their roster. I mean, that's terrible. So, I mean, yeah, you went 3-13 and last year, but you had a lot of guys who were veterans that were supposedly supposed to take another step forward, and they didn't. So to me, I say good riddance. If this team goes 3-13 and and actually shows improvement, I think that that's better, even though it's not more wins. And so I, I do think the Browns are trying to make progress. It's just a matter of whether or not these rookies can develop into the pros that the Browns regime hopes uh, they'd become. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with all that. Um, all right, l- looking at uh, the, the the roster moves that that, that the Browns uh, made to, to get down to that final fifty three, uh, kind of reemphasizing what they've been doing all off season. Some some notable veterans uh, that you know you shouldn't be surprised at this point who got cut. Uh, we already talked about Paul Kruger last week and Barkevius Mingo getting traded away. Um, the final cuts include Taylor Gabriel, Pierre Dicer, Charles Gaines, Raheem Moore. Um, Mike Matthews, you know, I'd thrown him in there just because because uh, of the name recognition, and he was a an undrafted free agent that we were kind of watching. Um, and Justin Gilbert, like you mentioned, traded away to Pittsburgh for a six rounder, essentially meaning a 2018 six rounder. And, and essentially, uh, you know, he was on the way out. He wa- he was going to get cut. That's what that trade implies. So you know, add him into that roster cut, uh, Chris. Do any of these moves surprise you, or is it just more of the same of what to expect this year? 
No, not at all. In our uh, training camp preview podcast about a month ago, we had looked at the wide receiver competition and highlighted Taylor Gabriel as someone who might lose out. The Browns ultimately have four rookie wide receivers on their roster. So in addition to Corey Coleman, the obvious wide receiver who is going to keep his job, and uh, Josh Gordon, who technically isn't on the roster right now because he's inactive, uh, they kept Terrell Pryor. They kept Andrew Hawkins because, uh, you know, obviously Hugh Jackson, you know, Cincinnati connection but they kept three rookies you know youth movement is here and pretty much every position they addressed in the draft they are giving these rookies a chance to shine so no absolutely not none of these surprised me Uh, all these roster cuts were to make room for the next wave and and, in a wave that uh, that clearly this regime feels uh, has a higher upside than the guys that they got rid of yeah uh, you mentioned that 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 wide receiver uh, class uh those six guys not including josh gordon i mean opening the season you have 28 total catches coming back from the 2015 season uh andrew hawkins responsible for 27 those terrell Pryor had one reception last year for the browns so um definitely a, a green wide receiver quarter that was to be expected uh we thought that maybe one of those rookies would have been one of the final cuts but there, those three are essentially uh have an extended four game trial because josh gordon's coming back they're going to have to clear space. One of them will either get moved to the practice squad or will be waived at that point. So uh, that's I think that's smart. You know, extend the audition process. See which of those four, which of those three guys are, are worth worth keeping. They can keep two of them. So uh, I think it's a smart move. But man, that that really is a green uh, wide receiver core. Um, also, you know, the secondary did not get did not improve at all over the offseason uh and with those cuts at the end i mean i'm not expecting a whole lot from them you know four notable defensive backs among those 53 roster cuts if you if you include justin gilbert getting traded away um it doesn't spell good news for, for the browns and what to expect with that passing game yeah the one other thing about the wide receiving core um certainly when uh you know josh gordon comes back they'll have a roster issue but uh, you know that's four weeks a lot can happen in four weeks all it takes is one injury to free up a roster spot so they might not necessarily have to cut a wide receiver um, if they have um, you know obviously you don't want anyone to get hurt but to me and you I mean we've watched a lot of NFL uh, for a team to go four weeks without any sort of injuries uh, I think would be very optimistic so it wouldn't surprise me if they don't even have to make a roster move for Josh Gordon they may have to, they may be able to just keep these guys around and slide someone else into IR or something along those lines yeah that's a very good point um, also happening on, on cut day uh, the Browns claiming five guys off of waivers they also signed two other guys that were cut a little bit before that day and Brandon Colquitt and Stephen Paya. So that's seven additions to the roster that haven't even played any kind of football on this Cleveland Browns team. Uh, just reemphasizing the fact that, you know, week one is still just kind of a learning process for this team. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a lot of growing pains, I'd say. The one thing I'll say with all the moves the regime is making it is clear that these guys in the front office and in the coaching staff are very secure with their jobs. You know, it's certainly you, you don't sure. trade for 2018 picks if you don't think you're going to be able to use them. You don't keep uh, 14 rookies that you drafted plus more that you've brought in if you don't think you're going to, you know, be around to see them develop. You don't cut these veterans if you don't think you're going to be around. Generally, the coaches are under panic mode and they bring in veterans to try to win now. This gives me confidence that this regime is going to have the full three, maybe even four years to see this thing through. And I think that, more than anything, is something this Browns organization desperately desperately needs. Yeah, it's it's refreshing. I don't I don't think it's something that uh, we, we've seen a whole lot of in, in these regime changes. Is that you know they're very comfortable in what they're doing, in, in trusting the a long term plan, and they're comfortable in their job security for sure. Um, uh, just a couple last notes on the roster cuts. Uh, are you surprised that Josh McCowan's still on the team, and then also Kevin Hogan brought into the practice squad, uh, the rookie from Stanford as a quarterback? Um, do you like that move and do you like the move of not trading away McCown? 
Twofold question. First, Kevin Hogan. I, I really liked him in college. Uh, I thought he would make for a good kind of sneaky late round, seventh round undrafted free agent kind of guy. So I do like him in the mold of a developmental quarterback. Um, I thought he was very strong at Stanford. So I love that move. And yeah, I am surprised Josh McCown is still on the roster, but it's very clear the Cowboys did not want to make a trade for a quarterback. They just waited for Mark Sanchez to come onto the market and sign him. Uh, clearly, they just wanted to sit back and see who got cut. Uh, they didn't want to pull a uh, Minnesota, which we'll talk about in a minute here because we got to preview this upcoming matchup. The Eagles made quite a big move with their quarterback, um, but clearly the the backup guys trading for backup quarterbacks it didn't look like there was that much movement going on other than the Sam Bradford trade um and and obviously Josh McCown is not Sam Bradford so I'm I'm surprised but again I don't think the market was there so so I'm not shocked yeah I'm not not particularly shocked either I think um you know Mark Sanchez is probably to this day a better option than than josh mccallan at quarterback he has more experience starting uh you know in his time with the jets uh and and he did well with the eagles as well so i think the cowboys probably made the right move in waiting for him to get cut once they heard that uh, the broncos were going with a team in as their starter they probably had their eyes on sanchez at that point um yeah i mean the the browns really only had one suitor for all preseason in the Cowboys and then a suitor in the Vikings for about six days. So I, I don't think there was much of a market for a guy like Josh McCowan who isn't, isn't a stud. Um, that being said, you know, again, we're going to talk about it in a second, but neither is Sam Bradford. Um, but yeah, it's a little surprising that he's, that he wasn't moved, especially with the, the Browns just hoarding draft picks at this point. But I, I understand uh, why he's still on the team. Yeah, so since we're bringing up Sam Bradford, we've got to talk about the week one opponents for the Browns, the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, the Cleveland Browns at first probably thought they were going to see Sam Bradford this weekend, but that is not happening. The Minnesota Vikings, as we talked about last week, uh, without Teddy Bridgewater, a terrible injury to his knee, uh, certainly wipes out this season and and puts his status for 2017 even kind of in a uh, unknown realm. So, they needed a quarterback. They went out and paid a huge price. They traded a 2017 first-round pick and a conditional fourth-round pick in 2018, I believe, for Sam Bradford. Bob, this this was a huge move, but now it puts Carson Wentz, who the Eagles named their starter, the, the number two overall pick, which was obviously the draft choice the Browns originally had on the field week one against Cleveland. So, a couple of things. First off, Sam Bradford for a first round pick a pretty big move by the Eagles and and two just you know what are your thoughts to to all of this the Browns now seeing a rookie quarterback instead of Sam Bradford yeah well starting with the move in and of itself I think this is probably uh the Eagles by a lot of senses are almost as frustrating as the Browns are in a different way because they have had more success and are more talented they just mix the the great with the terrible so this is a great trade for the Eagles obviously at getting a first round draft pick for Sam Bradford a guy who struggles to stay on the field in terms of injuries who I think had 14 touchdowns last year to 13 interceptions I can't throw downfield is not a good quarterback at this point is not a good quarterback uh you know, I thought if they gave up a third round pick for Sam Bradford, that would have been a, a win for them to get a first round pick. I mean, that's that's crazy. So a great move for them. But then you also have to factor in that they gave up a King's ransom for a guy in Carson Wentz who did not play uh, bowl division football last year in, in college. So, you know, y- you have these kind of conflicting sides of the Philadelphia Eagles. And it's going to be very interesting to see exactly how it turns out. And we're definitely going to pay attention to it because as Browns fans, we are now married to the Eagles success for the success for the value of that first round draft pick that we're getting in 2017. So uh, obviously, I think the Browns have to be more excited to play against a rookie quarterback. I just think that this is a classic Cleveland situation where you have a terrible defensive backfield this year. We don't know what Joe Hayden's going to do. There's really nobody else in that secondary. And you have the guy that the Browns could have drafted that they that they decided to trade down and not take starting against them in week one. There's a situation where Carson Wentz could light up the Browns and it would be a, a classic Cleveland Brown moment. 
and that's kind of what I'm leaning towards uh, as happening. Yeah, I mean, look, it's unfortunate that this is happening right now. But if we're going to judge this trade after week one before the Browns even select in 2017, I think that would be kind of short-sighted. I mean, it's like the RG3 trade. You know, RG3 was amazing in 2012, and everyone wanted to bury St. Louis. But the fact of the matter is the Rams want the now LA Rams. I'm still getting used to that one, by the way. We struggled with that all Labor Day weekend when Rams players were taken. Um, still calling them St. Louis. Um, you know, they won that trade. They won it like 10 times over. They got more players. Even though Washington got to the playoffs, they didn't go anywhere, and RG3 is not their franchise quarterback. Um, so I'm certain Washington would rather have all those picks and get Kirk Cousins in the fourth round than spend all those picks to get RG3. So the the point is, you can't even if Carson Wentz throws for 500 yards on Sunday, I don't care. It's the first game played since the trade. I, I sure. cannot evaluate this trade until the Browns use the pick. It's not possible to evaluate the trade until the Browns use the pick. And what if Corey Coleman catches, uh, you know, 10 passes for 150 yards? I mean, that's the guy they drafted instead of Carson Wentz. I mean, you know, all I'm saying here is after one game with a very green team, I don't think it's fair to judge the trade. So I'm not worried about that. Yes, it's a classic Brown situation, yep. but but I'm not worried about that in game one, the first game after the trade. Yeah, I, I get it. Um, ra- rational, rationally speaking, I, I don't think that's going to happen. I just think as as a Clevelander, that is quite a Cleveland situation and looks like they're set up for that to happen. The reality is the Eagles are in are just as bad as the Browns, maybe slightly better. They, they do have some more proven guys, but uh, Carson Wentz has nobody to throw to, does not have a reliable uh, catching target, uh, has question marks in the backfield. Lane Johnson, probably uh, their, their best pa- pass protector, might miss the game due to a PED suspension. Uh, their defense is old. They have a rookie head coach. And Carson Wentz himself only has half a game's worth of experience in the preseason. He's missed the last three with the hairline fracture in his ribs. So a lot of things look good for the Browns in this matchup. Um, I just think, you know, the mystical force of Cleveland Browns awfulness might be at play on week one. Well, the mystical force of Cleveland Browns awfulness is out at has been at play since 1999 so that that wasn't going to change no matter who's starting at quarterback but bob i mean looking past the storylines i mean who do what do you think the key matchup in this game is well for the browns i I think uh the, the key matchup is can they can they get a stop on defense uh one of those units needs to step up they they've gotten gashed in the preseason on the run game uh the browns have never since 1999 uh, you know, quarterback masks their inability to stop the run. They, they've been t- terrible at it, and they've continued that trend in the past couple of years. You know, it'll be an easy day for Carson Wentz if they can't stop the run. So I, I think that's the key matchup right there going up against that offensive line that might be weekend with with Lane Johnson missing the game. Um, if they can stop the run, then it puts Carson Wentz in a lot of pressure situations, third and longs, uh, and it, it, they could take advantage of the rookie, but. Uh, until they can stop the run, there's there's no hope for this Browns team. Bob, were you looking at my notes? Because that's exactly what I have written down. Can the Browns <laughs> stop the run? Look, the Eagles are starting a rookie quarterback. You're, they're not going to want to put the weight of the world on his shoulders, especially since they have wide receivers who, while they have some upside, especially Jordan Matthews, uh, they still have some developing to do. Uh, I am looking at Jordan Matthews as a guy the Browns are going to want to target in the secondary but the key here is going to be stopping the runs ryan matthews and the slippery darren sproles uh who can catch the ball very well out of the backfield the eagles are going to want to take as much pressure off of carson Wentz as possible so it's going to be critical to for the browns to force them in unideal second and third down situations to make carson wentz beat them because this is his first ever nfl game i like I'd much rather play a rookie than any sort of veteran quarterback. So let's see what he can do, and hopefully he makes a lot of rookie mistakes. But if they can't stop the run, it's going to be really easy for Carson Wentz to pick them apart because of that threat um, in their ground attack. 
Yeah. Uh, I, I think that, 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 that's the Browns in the nutshell. I mean, uh, the offense is hit or miss we don't really know what's going to happen but if the browns want to be competitive uh, they have to stop the run because they've gotten gashed year in and year out um all right it's time for time for prediction what what do you think is going to happen on sunday for week one i just think the eagles i know they're starting a rookie quarterback but their defense yes it's aging it's more experienced this is a green offense and uh, quite frankly i have no confidence in the browns defense I, I do think the eagles will win and i think they will win relatively easily um, yeah, I, I think the Eagles are going to win as well. It's it's an away game. Uh, so many moving pieces on the Browns team. Uh, despite the Eagles being in a similar transition, I think they haven't gone full rebuild like the Browns have. Um, they're, they're close, but they, they just have a little bit more talent on, on the team overall. I think they're going to pull it out. I think it'll be closer than, than an easy win for the Eagles just because I don't think the Eagles are that talented to to do so and i think the browns actually have a passing attack that can keep them in the game if they do get behind like they can score some touchdowns but uh yeah i think the eagles are going to take it all right bob last year we played a really fun game we went through the entire brown schedule and picked win or loss so simple win or loss we're going to do this again hopefully we have a few more wins on the list but but i'm not very confident about that so let's look ahead to week two versus baltimore who you got in that one? Baltimore. Uh, yeah, Baltimore. I have the Ravens as well. So we both have them 0-2. Uh, week 3 yep. at Miami. Uh, this is one of five games I've circled that the Browns could potentially win. Like they have a chance to win. It's at Miami. I think they're still going to lose this one. I think if this game were in week 15 or something, they'd win it. But in week 3, they're still going to be too young. At Miami, loss. So we're each 0-3. Yeah. Uh, week 4 at Washington. Uh, Washington's a playoff team. They have improved in the offseason homecoming game for Robert Griffin, so that'll be interesting, but uh, they're starting to 0-4 this year. Interesting storyline, but Washington just has too much 0-4 as well. Bob, if they had played the Patriots in Week 4, maybe they'd have a little bit more of a chance, but with Tom Brady coming back Week 5 versus New England at home, who you got? Yeah, un- unless the entire Patriots receiving core is injured, uh, the Patriots are going to win this game 0-5. Even if the entire receiving core was injured, they just unleashed LeGarrette Blunt the way they do against the Colts, so still 0-5. Very true. Week 6 in your backyard at Tennessee in Nashville. Bob, who you got? Another game I circled. I think the the Eagles and Dolphins were the previous two that I circled. Um, I think think they're going to do it. They've beaten the Titans two years in a row now. Uh, Let's just make it three. I think this is their first win. I, I think they will win in Tennessee. Last year it was a crazy game. Um, this year I think they will win. I think the 0-5 kind of desperation, uh, and then they will have yeah. hopefully ironed out some growing pains by then and beat a team that's right on their level again. Yeah. Two, two years ago was the crazy game. Last year was one of Johnny Manziel's only positive games, but oh, it wasn't you're as crazy right. as two years ago. You're right. You're right. The crazy game was two years ago. Good call there, Bob. Um Week seven at Cincinnati, the defending AFC North champions. Who you got? <laughs> Bengals. Yeah, that's all that needs to be said right there. Hugh Jackson's coming home party, but in Cincinnati, True. I don't think it's happening. Week eight versus New York, a team that flirted with the playoffs. Bob, who you got? Yeah, the Jets are uh, they're a good team. Uh, they're going to win. They're going to beat the Browns. So we both have them one and seven. Bob, week nine versus Dallas. No Tony Romo. Well, maybe. I mean, they said, what, six to eight weeks? So that could be Tony Romo's coming back party, too. So a little uncertainty there. Uh, but, Bob, who you got? Yeah, I think uh, the estimate now is four to ten weeks. I'm not sure when that time frame starts as well. So, yeah, it's it's still very possible that Tony Romo's back. Um, this it, it just depends. If Romo's back, obviously not. Dak Prescott could could still beat the Browns um I, I I think just predicting the season I think the Cowboys are going to win it with with that running game they're just going to gash the Browns anyway yeah that offensive line and that running attack I think will be too much for the Browns no matter who starts at quarterback I got them one and eight Bob Thursday night football in week 10 quick turnaround at Baltimore last year it was a crazy yeah. game and it really was it that's time it was last year's crazy game uh sure who you got there now was that uh, that was Monday night football, right? Again, no. You, 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 or was that Thursday night football against the Ravens? No, wait. I think that might have been 
th- I thought that was Thursday night football, but I I'll have to look that up. Yeah, I feel like they played Monday night last year, and that that might have been the game. But anyway, regardless, it was the the block field goal for the touchdown and all that stuff. Uh, the Ravens are going to win this. It's at home. Uh, yeah, they're 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 going to lose. You're right. Good correction. It was Monday night football. Uh, I, the first thing that came up was Ravens versus Browns is for the most least attractive Monday night football matchup in history. So <laughs> they moved it to Thursday night this year. Um, I've also had the Ravens in this. I think short week at Baltimore, not good. Uh, Bob, week 11 versus Pittsburgh, who you got? Steelers. That's all that needs to be said. We still only have, they are 1 in 10 right now, Bob. This is not yeah. good. Um, week 12, Eli Manning comes to town versus New York. I was at one of the best games ever eight years ago when Eli Manning came to town. It was their only home win against the Super Bowl champs. You think that magic's happening again? I do. This is a, this is a winnable game. It's at home. I, I don't think the Giants are that good. I think they're going to win this game. I think they're going to lose it. Um, yeah, that's really all I need to say. All right, so week right. 13. So going into the bye week, that you have them 2-10, and 10, and I have them 1-11. So they have a bye week, week 13, a late bye week, by the way. No Thanksgiving for them. Uh, and then week 14, they come home to Cincinnati. So third straight home game, and the Bengals are coming to town. Who you got, Bob? Yeah, this is a loss as well. Bengals are just too good. Upset special. The Browns always win one game. Nobody thinks they will. And the Bengals and Browns always play tough. And I think this is the one Hugh Jackson sticks it to his former team. And it's late in the year. So they've had 12 games to iron things out. I think they'll be getting more competitive at this point. They'll have a bye week to prepare, an extra week to prepare. I think they will upset the Bengals at home. That's my upset special. Week 15 at Buffalo, who you got? Bills, away game, I think the Bills are going to do it. Uh, Yes, I believe so too. Hopefully they're more competitive now. Week 16 versus San Diego, who you got? I think the Browns will win this one as well. The Chargers just aren't a good team right now, and I think uh, they're so old that a lot of those guys will be hurt anyway. I think the Browns will win this one. I am hopeful that this is the game we hang our hats on for 2017 I, I think the Browns will be a different team at this point in the season and I think that they will win this game and I hope they win this game convincingly for a Merry Christmas it's a Christmas Eve game so hopefully they will it's a Saturday game actually Christmas Eve uh, and then Bob week 17 at Pittsburgh uh, possibly against the backups who knows uh, but who you got yeah you can't predict that uh, I think the AFC North 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 that's funny is so competitive anyway that the Steelers will be in the run for something in terms of playoff position so uh they're gonna lose this one yeah I don't see Pittsburgh dominating the division so I do think that they will have something to play for and usually even when they don't they still beat the Browns so it's in Pittsburgh I got the Steelers so I we both got them three and 13 we just have one difference you have them beating the Giants and I have them beating the Bengals we agree on the Titans and Chargers so that's a probably good for a, a top five pick potentially puts them in the running for for number one three and 13 was good for number two last year it just yeah. depends who they beat really and who else loses well they tied um, with the titans for number one last year so sure. they they lost that because they beat the titans last year so hopefully there's not sure. a repeat of that maybe i should just yeah. cheer for them to lose to the titans for those tiebreakers man yeah all right well uh last question uh we have the browns probably picking in the top five do you think the browns will have two top 10 selections in next year's draft that's tough i don't i think the eagles will flirt with the top 10 but i actually think they'll be closer to the the teen like 13 to 16 i I think they'll they'll be okay you know what i mean i I don't think they'll be great but i think they'll be okay like a six to seven win season and that'll get them out of the top 10 actually i i do think the eagles are on in the bottom third of the league so i I think the browns will have two top 10 draft picks uh kind of poised to really take whoever they want uh if you're interested in in profiling the the top quarterback prospects deshaun watson of clemson brad kaya of miami uh florida are the two uh top quarterbacks in next year's class hey i actually think the browns will have the number one pick next year well there you go i i I think they'll be close uh three and 13 it's that's um other teams will have similar records all right bob so let's do our nfl preview spectacular we did the college football one last year so we're going to go around let's start in our home 
AFC North. Uh, we hinted at some of these teams earlier, but Bob, who do you think is going to take the division, and do you think there'll be a wild card here? Yeah, I do. I think the Steelers and the Bengals are better than the Ravens. The Ravens had a terrible year last year, but um, they're returning guys. Uh, they know how to restock and reload and get back right into the playoffs, so uh, they'll be in the mix as well, but I think the Steelers and Bengals are just too talented. I think the Bengals, or excuse me, the Steelers are getting better defensively while maintaining that high-powered offense. Uh, they have two uh, reliable backs. You know, D'Angelo Williams will, will cover for Le'Veon Bell to start the, start the year. They have a high-octane throwing offense, and that defense, like I said, continues to improve. I think they'll win the North. The Bengals will be a wild card. I got it the other way around. I'm more confident in the Bengals staying healthy than the Steelers. You know, Ben Roethlisberger isn't the epitome of health. Le'Veon Bell down for three games because of the suspension. Um, I'm and, and they have some questions at number two wide receiver with Martavius Bryant being out the entire year for his you know uh, substance abuse suspension. So I, I'm more confident in the Bengals staying healthy and having all their guys for the full season than I am the Steelers. I think both will make the playoffs, but I think Cincinnati wins the division again. Um, let's move to the South. Who you got, and do you think there'll be a wild card? Absolutely not. There will not be a wild card. Um, this will, again, be probably the worst team to make the playoffs in the AFC. I think 9-7 and seven is all it takes. It's what it took last year to make the playoffs. I think that's what it'll take this year. Um, but this is one of my surprise teams that will actually change up the playoffs. Um, you, you know who I, where I'm going with this, but I think the Jacksonville Jaguars are, are poised to have a breakout year and actually uh, get closer to 500 and, and really all it takes is a couple of wins against the in-division opponents to get to 9-7. and seven. I think they'll be able to do it this year. I think the Jaguars take a step forward, but I think the Texans improved exponentially at their quarterback position. They won the division last year with nine wins. I actually think Houston will win 11 games in that double-digit range and win this division wow. with ease. Okay. And look, I'm not saying Brock Osweiler's an elite quarterback. I just think he's a lot better than what they had and that will elevate the entire team because they've got a pretty loaded team around that quarterback position so that's my logic um, oh yeah sound logic afc east uh teams behind the patriots getting better the patriots down brady for four games so some intrigue uh but bob who you got and do you think there'll be a wild card i, I don't think there'll be a wild card uh you know, the, this is the door is wide open for an AFC East team other than the Patriots to win this division. Unfortunately, the Jets and Bills, who are both were both at 500 or above 500 last year, really did nothing to improve in the off season, and they, they've they've just replaced people. Uh, the Jets had the that awkward contract dispute with Ryan Fitzpatrick, so you know they have that that journeyman quarterback again who had who had a breakout campaign, but um, they're they're just old. I, I think the Patriots can punt the first four games and still win this division and that's what i think is going to happen i think it's going to be interesting because the bills have a shot to really make a statement because they get the patriots in one of those first four games they also the patriots also play the dolphins texans and cardinals that is not the easiest of schedules uh, i do think the patriots need to start two and two in order to win this division in order to have a good playoff seating i do think though that with brady healthy the patriots will win the division it's just kind of a matter of whether or not they'll be that elite team in the AFC right now. But if they struggle, like say they go into Buffalo, say they face Buffalo 0-3, I mean, it's conceivable. Now, I don't think they'll lose to the Dolphins, but the Cardinals and Texans I don't think will be a walk in the park. So it'll be intriguing. I still think the Patriots will win the division, though. I think it'll they'll be okay. Yeah, I just, I, I just think the, the Bills, you know, with – Reggie Ragland, their first-round draft pick, hurt. Marcel Darius, probably their best defensive lineman, suspended. Shaq Lawson on on the physically unable to perform list. I, I don't think they're going to be as good as they were last year. So I think the Patriots will be able to handle that uh, pretty easily. All right, Bob. So obviously our second wild card is coming out of the AFC West. Uh, who's winning it and who's your other wild card? Yeah, the, the AFC West shapes out to, to be probably one of the more fun divisions Uh to watch uh, the Broncos are oozing talent unfortunately they just have a huge hole at quarterback a Peyton Manning sized hole uh, despite his shortcomings last year he was able to lead that team and, and with Brock Osweiler also stepping in at times uh, two very competent quarterbacks they, they've replaced it with nothing I mean Paxton Lynch is the project rookie uh, Simeon 
who I uh, mispronounced earlier in the podcast, is their starting quarterback. I mean, I know nothing about that guy. So uh, that defense is talented enough for them to be above 500. I just don't know exactly where they're going to sit, which is why I think uh, the time is right for also the Oakland Raiders to make one final surge and actually be a playoff-bound team. I think they will actually win this division, and I think the Broncos will be the second wildcard team because this AFC West division has the matchup against the AFC South which gets you a lot of cupcakes. Uh, I think it shapes up nicely for both those teams, but I think the Raiders are finally going to make that step forward. Wow, nice pick on the Raiders, but I actually have them as the wild card. I'm taking the Kansas City Chiefs to win the division, and my bold prediction is that the Denver Broncos will not make the playoffs. I don't know if that's really that bold because they're starting a a sophomore quarterback who was a seventh round pick last year but the Broncos as you said have a very talented roster it's going to be a very competitive division but I have the Chiefs taking the title and the Raiders as the wild cards but I like the Oakland pick I'm very high on them this year so uh similar yeah, picks ready similar picks I think our only difference is Denver and Kansas City uh AFC South as well oh yeah yeah you're right you picked the Jaguars good call um all right, so switching gears to the NFC, let's start in the North, just like we did in the AFC. Uh, Bob, who you got, and is there a wild card in this division? I don't think there'll be a wild card. I think the division got a lot easier with Teddy Bridgewater going down. I think it's Green Bay's to lose. Uh, they're going to win the North, and I, I don't think any of those other three teams are going to make it. My bold NFC prediction is that Minnesota still finishes above 500 without Bridgewater, but yes, the Packers will win this division. Um Going down south, uh, obviously the defending NFC champs reside here in the Carolina Panthers. Bob, uh, who you got, and do you have a wild card here? No, th- this is a, a really weak division outside of the Panthers. The Panthers will win it easily, even if there is regression from Cam Newton. Uh, none of those other three teams are good enough to make the playoffs, though. Au contraire, bonjour. I am taking the <laughs> Carolina Panthers to win the division and the Tampa Bay Bucks will win a wild card. I actually think James Winston <laughs> okay. is going to take a big step forward. They are quietly amassing a lot of talent on defense. They have some good wide receivers, a pretty good running attack. I think the Bucks will secure a wild card spot. So that's kind of my surprise pick of the year. That, that's that's an intriguing pick. I thought for a second you were going with the Atlanta Falcons and I'm like how many times have the Falcons did you done you wrong? <laughs> I am all the, the dirty birds. Teams. Done with the yeah. dirty birds. No more Falcons. Yeah. They have completely they hung me out to dry. I picked them to win the Super Bowl the year after they went like fourteen and two and lost to the Niners, and they completely tanked. So I am I'm off the Falcons. But no, the Bucks are a team that are on the rise, I believe. Um, all right. So going uh, east, the NFC East, this is another fun division because uh, Tony Romo's not healthy, and uh, last year it was uh, who wants this division uh, least, I guess, because uh, it was everyone's just kind of fumbling right. football, trying to win it. Washington's the defending champs, but who you got, and is there a wild card here? Yeah, I, I don't this, – this will probably be one of the more wild divisions, like you said. Um, the Redskins are the only team in there that looks like a complete team. I think that they will win – the division uh just kind of by default because everyone else is just kind of clueless with 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 the cowboys having such a quarterback question mark uh, i think the redskins will will repeat yeah this is a tough division to pick because the cowboys have a lot of talent they just tony romo can dak prescott provide stability their record without tony romo is atrocious so i don't have confidence in them i don't have confidence in the eagles it's between washington and new york for me I think Washington is a solid team, but I just think New York gets it together. I think there's a little more stability there. I think the Giants will win the division, but I'm the, of all the picks, this is the one I'm least confident in. Heck, I think the Eagles could win this division because this division's that bad. So that there we go. Um, yeah. Uh, all right, Bob. So you haven't made a wild card pick yet, and we have one division to go. So that tells me you've got three teams coming out of the NFC West. I'm interested to see what's going down here. Yeah, I mean, uh, I guess the drama is kind of ruined. Spoiler alert. <laughs> but I, I think the Cardinals are going to win the division. I, I, I just think that they are loaded on both sides of the ball. This might be the, one of the last chances they have with Carson Palmer at quarterback. Um, I think Seattle is better than what they were last year. I think they'll they'll win a wild card again. And I think the L.A. Rams are, are still on the up and up. Uh, breaking in that rookie quarterback you know the only thing missing from that team is a competent quarterback 
they have Jared Goff now. They have Todd Gurley. They have that vicious defense. I think that the NFC West can send three teams into the postseason this year, and that's what I'm predicting. Oh, certainly. I mean, they almost did a couple years back when Arizona won 10 games and didn't make the playoffs because the Niners and the Seahawks were still uh, rivals there. So that's certainly not out of the question. I believe the AFC North has done it a couple times as well. Um, Yep, AFC West as well. Yeah, so I like the... I like the Cardinals pick. If Carson Palmer is healthy, though, that's the only thing I'm worried about. If not, they'll probably be a wild card. But Bruce Arenas is a good enough coach that I think the Cardinals will be a playoff team regardless of his health. It's just a matter of whether or not Carson Palmer stays healthy. Uh, The Seahawks, I think, will be a wild card as well. Um, I've picked the Rams last year to break out. It didn't happen. I like what they're doing, but I think they're going to bring Jared Goff on a little bit too slowly, and uh, it might bite them in the butt um so i think that golf will eventually get this rams team up into the playoffs but right now i think they're maybe a year away yeah i i definitely could see that i mean the the rams are my are my sixth playoff team if 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 we're ranking them in in that way but you know just looking at at the other teams with with those, those huge quarterback injuries happening to cowboys and vikings uh two playoff hopefuls i think it, it opens the door for some fresh blood and i think the rams can do it Oh, certainly. I, I I had the Vikings as my other wild card before uh, Teddy Bridgewater went down. But like I said, I, I still think the Vikings will be competitive. I think that they will win more than eight games, even without Bridgewater. Well, we'll have to see. All right, moving forward, uh, we'll get to some some the big prediction, the Super Bowl prediction in a second. But uh, let's predict some some off season or end of season awards. Chris, who's your pick for MVP? Carson Palmer. If he's healthy, I think he will win it. Um, because I think if he's healthy, the Cardinals could be the best team in the NFC. Um, I don't think Tom Brady will win it, regardless of how good of a season he has. And I just think that Carson Palmer, I would like to see him win it because he is kind of our generation's lost great quarterback with all the injuries. And so it would be nice for him to kind of end his career. He flirted with it last year, but if he could, in the twilight of his career, bring home an MVP, I think that would be pretty cool. Yeah, I think Carson Palmer is the safe pick. I think... uh we're going to see by the end of the year that Tom Brady is the most valuable player in the league. He's just not going to get the award for the suspension. Uh, when he comes back, you know, the Patriots are just going to take off and it's going to be indisputable that he is that. I think Russell Wilson could do it, but uh, I think Carson Palmer is a safe pick and that's who I'm picking. All right, Bob, uh, rookies of the year. I am way more confident in my offensive pick than my defensive pick. Who do you have there? Uh, offensively, uh, I'm going with Ezekiel Elliott. Um I'm interested in, in hearing who you're picking offensively and let me brainstorm some defensive rookies real quick well no offensively it's uh, Ezekiel Elliott as well um I think the situation is right for him to have a huge season he's running behind a great offensive line and he's going to be asked to do a lot so I think if the Cowboys even flirt with 500 it'll be because he has had a big year and I think he will get a lot of credit for their for holding them together um with his play so I think the circumstances are set up perfectly for Ezekiel Elliott to win it. And Bob, on the defensive side, I just picked Joey Bosa. I know he had the holdout, but he was so dominant in college. I think that if he gets on the field and has any any sort of success remotely similar to what he did in college, it's just going to jump off the page and people are going to just say, okay, he's definitely the defensive rookie of the year. Yeah, that's a good pick. Uh, you know, I think uh, defensive backs seem to have an edge of late and winning this rookie of the year and i'm gonna go with jalen ramsey of the jaguars he's gonna basically play that free safety center field role might be involved in the punt return game uh tyron mateo is is the comparison so if he racks up the touchdowns and the interceptions i think he uh could easily win that award yeah it's not a bad pick like i said defensively is very hard to predict um well so is offensive they're both hard to predict but hey we try anyway um yeah all right it's time for the big one preseason Super Bowl prediction Bob this is a hard year to pick the Super Bowl because I feel like there's a lot of transition going on in the NFL some of the big boys are starting to pass the torch who do you got in the Super Bowl the the, the matchup is intriguing of, of what I got uh, Ben Roethlisberger versus Carson Palmer former division rivals now playing in a Super Bowl against each, each other the Steelers versus the Cardinals uh 
I think I think it would be an intriguing Super Bowl and a very fun one. Um, so I think the I think the Steelers are are going to beat the Cardinals in the Super Bowl. That is actually a really interesting pick. I hope you're wrong because I do not want to live through another Steelers Super Bowl. Um, my pick is is going to sound very familiar, mainly because I've been making it for like the last. I don't know, five <laughs> or six years in hopes that it'll finally materialize. But I want to see Tom Brady play Aaron Rodgers in the Super Bowl. And then the only two teams I'm confident in, I'm confident that the Packers are going to be really good this year. And I'm confident that the Patriots are going to be really good this year. So I'm picking both of them. I'm not confident that they're both going to make the Super Bowl, but I'm hopeful that I'll finally get to see Brady and Rodgers face off in the Super Bowl. And of course, I'm picking the Patriots to win it all once again, because I do think that Again, Brady and Belichick will get angry, and you don't like the Patriots when they're angry. No, a very good pick. Uh, obviously, you know we had all four of those teams in the playoffs. Um, yeah, I just I don't know what it is with the Packers. They're just they just seem to they never live up to their potential. So I, I don't really pick them to to make to win the NFC. All righty, man. We jam packed a lot of NFL into that, but uh, we got some other things to talk about here on Clee Talk. Mainly those uh, Cleveland Indians, man. I, you know, I didn't see any of the Miami games because I was out of town, but uh, 6-0 and against the Twins and the Marlins in an exceptional week. Five and a half games up on the Tigers entering Labor Day. Bob, it's, it's looking like the Indians are playing the kind of baseball that special seasons are made of. Yeah, 6-0 and since we last talked about them. Uh, a great week for sure. Finally sweeping the Twins like they should have been doing all season long. And then uh, you know, against the Marlins, Carrasco, Bauer, and Salazar had had really strong showings, and especially Danny Salazar, uh, eleven strikeouts, one earned run last night. You know, very refreshing to see him back on track. He's had a couple very key starts. Uh, the only concerning thing from this whole homestand was was uh, the the, the walk off win against the Marlins, where Dan Otero, Brian Shaw, and Andrew Miller all gave up earned runs which is unheard of because uh, especially Otero and Miller, those guys have been absolutely lights out and dominant in, in high-pressure situations. Uh, very interesting. But, you know, the Indians rallied, and they were able to match all of those runs uh, late in the game and, and come out on top. So, yeah, absolutely have the makings of, of a playoff-bound team. Um, hopefully they'll be able to continue it as they open the, the series against Houston. I mean, no bullpen's perfect, even Andrew Miller. Uh, so it's just good that they got the win, and Cody Allen ultimately got the win for that one. Um, Mike Clevenger taking Josh Tomlin's uh, spot in the rotation. Uh, so some concern with Tomlin. He's obviously not pitched very well, but hopefully, I mean, Clevenger's pitched great out of the bullpen. Hopefully he's figured something out because the Indians just seem to have like grow pitchers on trees. I mean, sure. when one struggles, another one just pops up uh, whenever they need it. Yeah, it's it's the right move, and you know your number five pitcher isn't really something to worry about when you're playoff bound, uh, and you have four dominant guys, four obvious guys who will be your, your starting pitchers in the postseason. So uh, Tomlin hasn't been effective; he's given up way too more too many home runs. Clevenger's a guy who has shown some talent and and can't do worse. So might as well try and throw him out there and, and get some more wins. All right, we got some slight Cavs news here. Uh, Mo Williams reportedly close to retirement. Bob, uh, is this a problem for the Cavs? Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the the Cavs are, are are out their number two and number three point guard of last year. You know, Delavadova is now in Milwaukee. Mo Williams might be out the door. Uh, Jordan McRae and Kay Felder are the only options on the roster to take over at point guard. Um, so so it is kind of concerning, especially given you know Kyrie Irving rests and. Kyrie Irving has missed games due to health in, in the past, so they, they need a backup point guard, and they need to probably look externally to replace that. Yeah, it's certainly uh, concerning if he ultimately decides to retire, but there's no reason to doubt the reports. Um, there's been rumblings of this for a while now, but uh, you know we'll just have to see what happens. Maybe uh, he'll pull a Richard Jefferson and change his mind uh, you know, in a bit. So we'll have to keep an eye on that yeah. story. But uh, Buckeyes news. Uh, well, I was slightly right. Bowling Green was winning the game early. Uh, and then they proceeded to lose 77-10 to to Ohio State in week one. Uh, Michigan also winning huge. Uh, so, Bob, big game for the Buckeyes. Uh, I wasn't able to watch too much of it. Um, you know, did, Were you able to watch any of it? No, I didn't watch any of it uh, just because there were better games on, more more entertaining games on all day during that day. But you know, JT Barrett, you know, 
Heisman candidate, obviously uh, one of one of the favorites, and, and had a had a uh, a, a party, uh, a, a week one party, uh, set some touchdown records and all that. So very good to see. I'm um, talking about that that great slate of games that that we that was over the weekend. First off, a tip of the cap to you, Chris, predicting Houston over OU. One of the more entertaining games of the week. Uh, very good pick. Uh, congratulations. Thank you very much. Uh, that was a fun game to watch with that big kick return. Um, and being in Chicago, I got to see Northwestern get upset by Western Michigan. Um, we didn't watch much of the Buckeyes games just because, like you said, it was not very exciting. We definitely watched a lot of this game. Um, I think we, we missed a little bit of it. But, uh, yeah, very exciting to see Houston beat OU and now really set the stage to make the college football playoff. They're going to have to win their next 12 because they, they need to be 13-0 to get in. But this is a huge feather in their cap and uh, definitely opens the door for them. Yeah, uh, I, I briefly looked at their schedule. Houston plays Louisville. That's probably their toughest matchup uh, for the rest of the season. Other than that, it's it's easy goings for, for what is a potential college playoff team. And so sh- they should handle that easily if they are truly uh, what th- what we are thinking that they are um any other uh, key takeaways from, from from week one in college football well yeah big win in lambo for wisconsin over louisiana state that is a sh- pretty big upset in my mind i did not <laughs> think wisconsin was going to win that game uh so a big big win for wisconsin and maybe just maybe they announced their their selves to the big 10 west saying hold on a sec iowa uh we're back yeah, it was uh, the matchup of the two teams that want to play like Alabama plays and you know playing each other, this power run game. Uh, only LSU would be able to make a game like that so close. Uh, but yeah, very good showing from Wisconsin being able to pull that out and make a statement. Uh, Texas versus Notre Dame turned out to be a great game. Texas getting the upset in overtime. Um, and then amidst all these uh, top 25 teams, you know, three top 25 teams losing to unranked teams this week, an opening weekend, uh, you know, the OU versus Houston game. Amidst all that, I think people kind of took for granted what Alabama did to USC and just absolutely demolishing them, not letting up a single touchdown, holding Juju Smith-Schuster, the widely regarded as the best wide receiver in all college football, probably a top 10 draft pick next year to one catch for nine yards and just demolishing them 55-6. to it's it's it could shape up for a scary year for Alabama Clemson also had a scare in Auburn I thought that was interesting yeah Alabama just ripped USC to shreds so I don't know if Alabama is that good or USC was just overrated that's the tough part about some of these week one matchups uh time will tell Uh, I certainly think Alabama will come be tested more as they play in conference but yeah USC man just torn to shred they're still yeah. picking up the scraps i mean that's just a beat yeah. down we got another big one tonight florida state and old miss um mississippi state losing to an fcs school that was a pretty big upset as well a couple other fcs schools uh scored wins yeah well um i, I looked it up southern alabama is actually in the sun belt ah shoot i thought they were an fcs school when <laughs> me I <saw> too <laughs> i had to look it up um yeah but still a very embarrassing uh a college football program that has only existed since 2009 so uh, not not a good showing for Mississippi State. Certainly not. Um, but yeah, the other the other big thing going on this weekend, uh, U.S. Open tennis. So uh, men's side, the French connection, man. Three Frenchmen in the quarterfinals. Now they all have one thing in common. Uh, Novak Djokovic is the other person in their four-person finals draw. So uh, that'll be interesting to watch. And tip of the cap to Juan Martin Del Potro. This guy won the U.S. Open back in 2009. He is men's tennis's lost great player because I truly believe if it weren't for the multitude of injuries he's had over the last eight years, he would have multiple slams and be right up there, maybe not in the double digits, but certainly be regarded as one of the best in the game with Djokovic, Federer, Nadal, and Murray right now. He has that kind of talent. He is healthy. Don't sleep on him maybe making a run at this thing. And if he were to pull this off... It would be quite the comeback story 
for Del Potro, who has just been dogged by injuries. Uh, he is kind of my sentimental favorite to win it all. He's got to face the number three guy, Stan Wawrinka. Uh, Key uh, Nishikori got through. He likely faces Andrew Murray. Murray plays yet tonight, so the quarterfinals aren't set. Now on the women's side, Serena Williams dominating. Uh, Madison Keys had an unlucky draw. She had to face Caroline Wozniacki in the fourth round. Wozniacki's unranked, but she was the number one player for like two years. She didn't win. She hasn't won a slam yet, but she was in the finals of this tournament a few years ago. So injuries again gave Madison Keys a bit of a tough luck there. I still think Madison Keys has a bright future. I kind of was hoping she would win the tournament and have a breakout party, but I think next year she'll break through and win her first slam. Um, women's side, uh, it's Williams, Wozniacki, probably Kerber. Good quarterfinal matchup coming up between Williams and Simona Help, who is the number five ranked person in women's tennis. So a lot of action on the uh, U.S. Open, Bob. Have you been able to watch any of it? No, not really. So so Madison Keys is out, you said? Yeah, she lost to Wozniacki in the fourth round, which ah, okay. was unfortunate. I, I wanted her to win it all. I, I thought she was going to win it all. but yeah, That's well. unfortunate. Tip of the cap to the U.S. men and women, too. I think even though uh, Serena Williams is the only American uh, that got through, um, a lot of Americans had a pretty good showing this this time around, and, and I watched a couple of them play. I think that there's a lot of talent bubbling up in U.S. tennis, so hopefully we can get uh, some people to take the torch from Serena Williams because she's been like the only relevant American player for a very long time. Yeah. At least on the single side. All righty, man. We have packed a ton into this podcast. Lots of football. Got some other stuff in there. But thank you so much for listening. And happy NFL kickoff. It starts on Thursday. The Browns start on Sunday. And then there's two Monday Night Football games. It's going to be a very fun time. Um, Please come back next week. We'll have another Cleat Talk for you. Please sign up for our podcast. Subscribe to it via iTunes. You can get there on FenleyRoadSports.com. Follow us on Twitter at FenleyRoadSports or Instagram at FenleyRoadSports. Come back to our website. Listen to more podcasts. We'll have a Cleat Talk episode every week. More Cleveland sports, more sports talk, more fun. It's going to be awesome. We've got the Buckeyes started. we got the Browns starting and the Indians making a run at the playoffs. Very exciting times. So come back for more, and we will be back next week. But until then... Go Tribe and go Browns. All right, I'll see you, Chris. Take it easy, Bob.